in the Mediterranean and innocents die all over the world where unwatched, unaccountable powers decide it's expedient and convenient to kill people who get in the way of whatever grand scheme they've got. We say no. That's why we are demanding justice for Julian Assange. Hear the call. Let's free Julian Assange and we will all be safer as a result of that. Thank you very much. What you just heard were some of the remarks delivered at the Belmarsh Tribunal, D.C., the case of Julian Assange, held in Washington, D.C. in January 2023, organized by Progressive International and the WOW Holland Foundation. Julian Assange is WikiLeaks founder who exposed war crimes committed by U.S. forces in Iraq. During the next episode of Arab Voices, I plan to air more testimonies delivered at that tribunal. You've been listening to Arab Voices, originating on KPFT Houston and syndicated on other radio stations in different cities in the U.S. and Europe. Our shows are archived online and you can listen to them by visiting arabvoices.net. And that does it for the show today. Thanks for listening. This is Saeed, executive producer and host of Arab Voices. Until we meet next week, peace on earth. Hi, I'm Jill Fritz with the Humane Society of the United States, and you're listening to KBOO Portland. Moving On presents a special program celebrating Black History Month this Friday, right after the noon news to 1.30. Featured will be selections performed by Odetta, Rihanna Giddens, Paul Robeson, and lots more. Music will range from the blues to music from the Civil Rights Movement and everything in between. Only on KBU this Friday, right after the noon news. We shall KBOO is hiring a full-time web coordinator. The web coordinator maintains the front end of KBOO's website, promotes episodes, does copy editing, and helps train staff and volunteers on various website features. For the full job description and instructions for applying, please go to our website at kboo.fm forward slash webhire23. Applications are due at midnight on Thursday, March 9th. KBOO is an equal opportunity and affirmative action employer. The following program is a rebroadcast. Dates, times, and events mentioned in the following program have already occurred. Thank you for tuning in to KBOO Portland.
The more compassion we have towards animals, the more compassion we're going to have towards other people. If you can value them all, you, you really value yourself as well. So even if you don't care about animals, the, the things we do that hurt animals end up hurting ourselves. It's almost kind of a dominion type issue where we feel we need to control everything. Dominion means stewardship, to take care of. What would a cow think about satisfying our habit? The challenge lies with looking at suffering from the perspective of the person or individual suffering. Welcome to Voices for the Animals on KBOO Portland. This is your host, Julianne Schwartz. Along with Noah Bristol and Michelle Coppola, we bring you a monthly program dedicated to give a voice to the animal welfare and animal rights issues happening locally, regionally, and worldwide. You can listen to... Today we are speaking with Brittany Michelson, a teacher, writer, and animal rights activist. She holds an MFA in creative nonfiction and teaches writing and activism related classes in a private K through eight program. Her first book, Voices for Animal Liberation, Inspirational Accounts by Animal Rights Activists was published in March of 2020, and we're about to learn a lot more about that. Brittany lives in Los Angeles with her rescue animals. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Thank you. Thanks so much. I read your book, and what really stood out to me is how relatable and inspirational the people and stories were. For me, it was comforting to hear from everyday people about everyday activism. What inspired you to create Voices for Animal Liberation? Well, I was thinking to myself how many powerful stories there are in the animal rights movement, how many moving experiences and just all the different backgrounds and perspectives that comprise our movement. And so I thought, gosh, it would be a really, you know, neat thing to have an anthology with different voices represented in the movement. And I've done short writing in the past. I've had a number of, of pieces published but I was wanting to work on a book. And so I just got the idea and I, I brainstormed and I put together a book proposal and I just sort of went with the idea. I started reaching out to people to contribute. I got a, a list of contributors and it just sort of manifested and took shape. But the initial idea came from all of the um, inspiration and, and powerful moving stories in the movement and then wanting to put them together into a collection. And I also think that uh, writing is such a powerful form of activism in its own way. I feel like the arts are really important in our movement, you know, music, film, uh, visual arts and writing. And so I thought it would be great to have this to help change hearts and minds for the animals. Absolutely. And after reading this book, I I just felt like it was unlike anything else that I've ever read. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool. Thank you. Uh, well, the next question is, how did you decide who to include in Voices for Animal Liberation? And was there any anyone in particular that you just had to have in the book? Mm -hmm. It wasn't easy because, I mean, I wish I could have had a hundred stories in the book uh, because, like I said earlier, there's are so many, so many powerful, amazing stories. I mean, every one of us, every single animal rights activist, you know, came to this movement from some experience or some, um, you know, path that led us here. And so um, I, yeah, it, I, what I did is I, I wanted to have a mix of established voices and newer voices. I definitely didn't want this to be an anthology of just well-known names and voices in the movement, but I did need some of those to um, 
you know, attract interest in the book from publishers, but also just to have that, um, that experience to ground the book. And so I, I wanted there to be a mix, but I also wanted newer voices represented. So um, some of the contributors are people that I know personally. Um, others came about through connections and networking. Um, I, I guess I also was trying to think of different, uh, you know, perspectives and areas of activism to represent. Like, for example, I know um, an activist who focuses a lot on um, campaigning against vivisection, and she's very enmeshed in the whole like animal testing research area and, and, you know, trying to put an end to that. And so I thought, well, I'd like to have that represented in the book. I'd like to have a piece that covers, you know, what happens to animals in vivisection. Um, and then I needed, you know, a couple pieces on animal sanctuaries. And so I just sort of, you know, pieced a list together. But I, yeah, I certainly wish there could be a lot more, but, you know, it can't be, it couldn't be like a 500 page book. So I had to, had to narrow it down. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, did you have anybody that you just had to interview? Was there anybody specific? Uh, yeah, well, one of my personal heroes, um, Lech Shylert, is the founder of Save Elephant Foundation. And I have volunteered twice at her elephant sanctuary in Thailand, one of her locations. And so she, uh, she has just done rescue and rehabilitation work with elephants for many years. And um, she's just this incredible person who's a hero to me so I I wanted her to be in it um and like Anita Kreintz founder of the save movement definitely wanted her in there um yeah there there were certainly people who I was like oh I you know I'm gonna reach out to them and I'm I'm hoping that they'll have the time and the um interest and the energy the interest wasn't a problem everyone I reached out to had an interest but people are very busy and, you know, especially people who run organizations. But I was lucky that they, you know, they were on board. Absolutely. Anita is one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. She's amazing. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. That is something that I noticed in the book is that um, everybody that you had had a very interesting story. So I imagine how hard it was to just pick individuals because I'm sure there's so many more great stories out there. Even like activists who are really involved in the movement and, and know the basic stories of a lot of these contributors or, you know, or most of them or whatever. It's like, you know, like you just said, you, they'll, they'll learn something new for sure from every piece. And there are also, because there are newer voices that, you know, a lot of people, some people have heard of certain names and other people haven't. Um, I think that that lends something to the book that is really special. Again, it's not just about like, people like Jean Bauer and, you know, Anita Kreintz, but there's also like Zafir Molina and, um, you know, uh, Gwenna Hunter and, you know, just people that haven't been in the movement for that long, but they, um, they're doing incredible things and they're very dedicated. So I don't know if I really answered your question. That is kinda... perfect. <laughs> okay. Why do you think it's important for activists, new and old, to hear these stories? Uh, well, I believe in the power of personal narrative, and I believe that not only can these stories help change hearts and minds for the animals, you know, for 
for people who are not vegan, I really think these stories can impact them and, and help change their hearts and minds um, to make changes in their lives, uh, to reject animal exploitation. But for activists, I think that, it, that the stories, they're inspirational, they're motivational. Um, I think they can help uh, activists become more active and also maybe try new things, um, sort of expand and you know, grow in their activism and maybe step outside of their comfort zone. I just, I think that there's such a variety in here that there's something for everyone. It's like, no matter where you are in your activist path, how long you you know people have been an activist or you know whether they've been in the movement for many years or just new i think that there it's like a a sampling in this book it's like there's really you can pick it up read a story at random and there there's something for everyone absolutely i do think there's something for everybody in this book and i just want to remind everybody for those that are just tuning in you're listening to voices for the animals on kboo we are speaking with, with Brittany Michelson, the author of Voices for Animal Liberation. In this book, Brittany writes, civil rights, women's rights, gay rights, and other social justice causes have people who fight for their own rights, the rights of their loved ones, and those of their fellow citizens. Human rights movements operate from the ability of humans to use words and actions to stand up for their cause. The animal rights movement is the sole exception. Non-human beings do not have the benefit of being able to speak for themselves or organize a protest, although they do resist being harmed, as is evident by their struggle, their vocalization, and their attempts at escape. Now, Brittany, do you find that people who are most active in the movement are people who have a background in other social justice movements? Not necessarily, although I do think that a lot of people find their way to the animal rights movement from having been involved in other social justice movements, and then it's just that animal rights is an extension of the fight against injustice, the fight against oppression, um, but animal rights activists, we are extending that to all beings, not just human ones. So I definitely think that, you know, um, a lot of people do come to our, to this movement from other movements, but I also think there are a lot of uh, animal rights activists that they come to the movement from uh, place a position where they don't have experience in other movements like myself. How did you become an animal rights activist? I became an animal rights activist very shortly after going vegan. Basically, I, I was a longtime vegetarian and um, with sort of phases of pescatarian um, over the years. But Anyway, once I learned about the dairy and egg industries, I was shocked and appalled. Uh, and I just was like, one, I don't know, I just felt this like strong need to take action. And so I went to my first animal rights protest just a couple of months after going vegan. Um, and it just took off from there and I just became very involved. And um, so, yeah, it just kind of was a natural extension of going vegan. And I think because I had been, you know, vegetarian, I had stopped eating meat, you know, so many years earlier, um, I felt lied to. Like I felt, you know, the dairy industry is so deceptive. And there are so many vegetarians out there who think, oh, you know, 
they're not eating they're not eating meat they're not eating animals so you know they're doing a good thing and yeah it's a step in the right direction but it's just once you learn that the dairy industry is so exploitative and so um, abusive and that the dairy and the meat industries are totally connected then you know for me it was like wow I I just felt like I had been deceived for so long by the dairy industry and then it just compelled me to, to take action. Uh, and then I've met some of my closest friends through activism and people that are like-minded, we share fundamental values and it's just a huge part of my life over you know, the past, the past five years. And I know that you are teaching a private class uh, K through eight, through the K through eight program. What, what does that class entail? Oh yeah, I teach multiple classes in a in a program that is centered on exploratory learning and inquiry, and they offer all these creative classes. So I teach writing, I teach um, different writing classes to kids, but I also teach activism-related classes um, because it's it's a program where they offer like just all these unique classes, and so I'm really. Uh, blessed, I guess is the word, with the opportunity to be able to teach activism and social justice to, to kids. And so, um, yeah, we focus on different issues, human, animal, environmental, and the kids learn about being activists and change makers. And we, we look at, um, you know, social justice movements in history. And so I've taught a variety of, um, of classes at this program. Well, I'm very jealous that you're able to teach uh, an activism class. I wish I would have gotten that opportunity at a younger age because I feel Me like too. I would have found activism quicker and uh, kind of related to your story, um, just feeling anxious all the time, kind of. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that would have helped my anxiety a lot. Being yeah. Young. How long have you uh, have you been in the movement, Ben? Um, I've been vegan since 2018, so I was okay. vegetarian for nine years before. Okay. And I happened to be driving home in Chino and I drove past, which happened to be the first time that the SAVE movement was at the slaughterhouse, but I drove past and I stopped and asked AJ, what's, he was the first one to greet me and really? I said, what's happening? And wow. he described it to me and I just went home feeling super depressed and like I, I didn't know what to do. And it still took me another year to go back, which happened to be the year anniversary. And that was the day that I decided to go vegan because it was a, a dairy slaughter. So it was oh yeah yeah mothers. oh wow so yeah wow that's oh my, my, my own personal story but oh wow yeah I um I mean that's so it's so common with uh with the dairy thing like for like I said earlier in the interview with vegetarians you know just don't know about about dairy and um yeah I uh I've been I've been vegan for five years and then like I said I became an activist like a couple months after after going vegan is when I went to the uh, animal rights protest that like basically got me into activism. So, and I actually, it was like the 1st of May, 2015 is when I went vegan. So, and then July, um, two months later, I went to protest and I mean, I was like such a new vegan, but I just, um, like I said, when I, I was like, angry when I learned about dairy and I was depressed for like a week because I mean I just I didn't know they took the babies away from the mamas and that whole thing and I just thought 
this is like crazy. Like, how did I not know this for so long as a, as a vegetarian? Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's very upsetting. It is. I mean, that's the, I think obviously people know that animals die for meat, but I don't think people really connect that animals still die for dairy and eggs. Exactly. I think that's really cool that that's offered to children. I don't think usually they get the choice. So yeah, pretty cool opportunity. Yes. And something that they can use. Yep. Well, I know that we're all going through similar things right now with this pandemic. I was wondering if you've seen activism evolve during this pandemic at all. I think um, as much of a challenge as this is for so many people on, on so many levels, I think that for our movement, even though we can't gather in like groups for protests and marches and things, I think that uh, the awareness of animal exploitation is, has really increased because of the coronavirus starting in the wet market in China, and then it just shines a light on how there, there are um, pathogens and, and viral strains breeding in factory farms in our own country. So I think this is really uh, actually quite an opportunity for our movement to really uh, expose what happens to animals through um, the, you know, and what, what happens for us, our species, through um, people, through consuming animals, because, you know, the whole, this whole pandemic, all these different viruses from the past have started from uh, confining and, and eating animals. So yeah, I think it's an opportunity for us and I hope it, you know, will really make a difference. Although with Trump requiring that the slaughterhouses stay open, um, that's just horrible and a devastating blow. Um, but I think it, it's still an opportunity for activists to really uh, use it to our benefit to uh, raise awareness. So. Do you think that this pandemic is going to help the animal rights movement? I know it kind of, it seems like it's moving forward, but are you seeing that personally? Um, I, in theory, yes. I mean, we'll see what happens with the businesses, like the actual, you know, animal agriculture industry. I'm not sure what kind of an effect it will have on a large scale, like societally. But um, I, think, I think a lot of people are going to think differently about consuming animals. And I think that individually, a lot of people are moving away from it. So we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping this is the wake up call that society needs, but, but we'll see if we rise to the occasion. I think a lot of activists and people in general are feeling like their freedom's being taken away right now because we're forced to stay at home. And this can obviously be related to any animal that's in animal agriculture, testing, or used for entertainment. Do you think that people are really relating to the animals right now? I do. Um, I do think that it causes people to consider, you know, what it's like to not have the freedom that we're used to. And I mean, when I say freedom, like we all as human beings have our, our freedom. Um, <laughs> compared to the animals, I mean, it's vastly, vastly different. But I do think that co a connection is 
being made on some level uh, for a lot of people with the idea of, um, you know, we, we're supposed to stay home and stay inside and there, there are restrictions. And because we're facing restrictions that are being mandated, I think it just helps people understand that animals, they're always, they're always living under restrictions. There are always mandates and, you know, they're under human control. And so, yeah, I, I do think that certainly a lot of people probably are connecting on some level. And like with the um, coronavirus confinement challenge that I think the SAVE movement launched that. Yeah, I, I, I've been seeing it around recently. Yeah. And so that I think is, um, was a clever idea for activism at this time, the coronavirus confinement challenge. For the audience that doesn't know what that is, uh, would you be able to describe that briefly? Oh yeah, so it's where um, activists would take like a dog crate or um, you know put together some kind of a cage and um, be in it for a period of time, like could be an hour, a couple hours or uh, whatever length of time and just raise awareness through you know the idea of being confined and and what it would be like for the animals who are confined 24 7 um and you know we're you know facing the quarantine and the stay-at-home order but like i said the animals have it way 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 worse and so yeah any kind of connection that we can help people make will help our movement is there anything that you can share with activists that might be feeling stuck at home, like they can't do anything? Obviously they can do these challenges, but is there anything else that they might be able to do? Social media, I mean, you know, the whole keyboard warrior thing um, really is a good opportunity right now because people are home, they're behind their computers. Um, so I think just, you know, taking the opportunity to, to raise awareness as much as possible um, through social media and the internet. I mean, I think the problem is, is that a lot of activists, their whole social media platform is filled with other, other, other vegans and other activists. So the, the challenge is getting the message out to non-vegans and people, people who are not activists. So that's why my writing, like my most recent article, which was published in March is coronavirus and animal exploitation, a wake up call for humanity. It's on Elephant Journal. And so I, that article was shared and I mean, it was shared like 15,000 times or something. It, um, that article, it's not very long. And um, I sent it out in an email blast to a bunch of people. So hopefully that has made an impact on non-vegans. I, like I said, I think this is a wake up call for humanity and hopefully we will rise to the occasion as a society and we'll see. Absolutely. I know you have some rescue animals at home. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody that you'd like to speak about? Maybe a uh -huh. recent animal that joined your life? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I have, um, I have my dog. I have three tortoises and now I have two guinea pigs. So um, yeah, they're all rescues and I plan to continue adopting animals, rescuing animals, and expanding um, my animal family because I'd like to at some point have some land and, you know, maybe have 
a sanctuary. I'm sure that's the dream for a lot of us. But um, anyway, I'll do what I can. So yeah, I have the two guinea pigs that I just adopted a week ago. And um, this woman, she had rescued three guinea pigs from a city shelter and one was pregnant. Um, and then the babies were born and then she didn't separate them soon enough and guinea pigs reproduce very quickly and at a very young age. So she ended up with more babies and then needed to find homes for them. So I, growing up, we had guinea pigs and I've always had a special place in my heart for them. So um, I adopted two boys and uh, they're super cute. They're really beautiful creatures. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I brought that up because I think a lot of people right now um, are adopting animals or volunteering to care for animals because there's not as many people there to care for them in the facilities. And I just think that's like something that really cool that brought us together during the pandemic is you know, we're connecting with animals and we're bringing them to our homes and, you know, giving them a life, essentially a life filled with love and, and care. Yes. So that's one of the benefits of the pandemic, though there's a lot of negatives. Well, is there anything that you would like to leave our audience with or uh, maybe a way that they could get themselves a copy of your book? Yeah, um, I'd love to let everybody know where my book is available. So the publisher is Skyhorse publishing and it's available on multiple sites the skyhorse website amazon barnesandnoble.com um, even the target website howls online um, if, if you just google the title you can find different options of where to buy it um, it's also available in bookstores um, although since they've been closed uh, you know most people are ordering online um, but it is available in some bookstores in various locations. And again, I, it's called Voices for Animal Liberation, Inspirational Accounts by Animal Rights Activists. But if you just Google, like that's such a long title. If you just Google Voices for Animal Liberation, you'll find it. We were kind of joking about how closely titled it is to our show, Voices for the Animals. Yeah, I thought about that too when you um, when you reached out to me. Yeah, uh, and we've had a couple of people from the book on our show, which is also cool. Oh, <laughs> really who have you? Or well, you can tell me later who you yeah. had. Yeah, yeah, we just we had Anita, which is like one of the cool ones, but there's yeah. quite a few in nice. there. Um, we right. also have a few activists that were in there that live in Portland, or I guess one in particular that I know. Nice. I love Portland, and I was so looking forward to coming up for the Animal Rights Conference, and I'm so bummed out that it's canceled. But I know that many activists feel like there's little we can do being stuck at home, but I think this is a great time to reflect on our movement. That's what I found myself doing when I read your book. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was planning on selling books at the Animal Rights Conference and, the, you know, different events and conferences which are canceled or they're happening online. So I actually have plenty of copies of the book on hand. If anybody wants to buy a signed copy from me directly, you're welcome to, you know, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram. And I'm Brittany for Animals on Instagram and Brittany Michelson on Facebook. Thank you for taking the time to be on our show, Brittany. Thank you very much. This has been Julianne Schwartz with Voices for the Animals.
The preceding program was produced at Kebu Community Radio.